If you're with us throughout the summer, you may know that I went through a miniature sermon series as Joe was in a sabbatical through the book of 1 Samuel, and I was going through the relationships and the dynamics between King Saul and young David. Um, we kind of looked at who they were individually, we looked at uh, what they did to each other and what they did against each other, and now we are in 2 Samuel, where Saul has died, and now David is the only one left out of the pair. Um, so throughout this year, Joe will be going through the book of uh, the chapter Romans 8, and he will be going through that verse by verse. And on the weeks that I preach, I think I'll be going once every five weeks, I'll be going through 2 Samuel, examining the life and the character of David, King David. So that's just a little uh, introduction of what we're going to be doing today and the rest of the year for when I speak. Um, yeah, a little, bit more, a little bit more about myself. I recently purchased a house a few months ago, and um, it was not an easy process. Let me tell you, the housing market this year was pretty crap. Um, it took me over a year to finally find a house, put an offer, and for me to get it. Right? Not only did it take me a year, I was so close to getting a house twice in this past year before I found this third one. Right? So in the first house that I, that I found, I, I took a look, I liked it, I told my agent, my real, real estate agent, I was like, hey, I like this house, I'm going to put an offer for it, let's do it soon because I know that people are throwing offers like it's nothing, so let me beat the, be ahead of the pack and talk to the seller directly. So I put an offer and the seller was like, hey, looks great, I'm going to sell you this house. And I was like, yes! I think at that point I'd been looking for six months, so I was like, yes! I found a house, um, and I was so excited. I was like, dude, I can't believe I'm actually gonna live by myself. Um, I'm gonna be an independent man. I'm gonna have a yard. I'm gonna have plumbing issues. I'm gonna do all these crazy things. Then, one week passed, the seller came back to me, and he was like, yo, your lawyer is taking a really long time. I got another offer in this time period, and I'm gonna go with it, so I'm dropping you. I was like, the freak! And the, the frustration, the disappointment, that anger that I felt, I didn't even know who to get mad at, because my lawyer didn't even take that much time. It was only a week, but like, I just wanted someone to blame, and I was just like, like how could this have happened to me? And the reason why I tell the story, is because I think many of us and many people in the Bible have experienced similar <laughs> experiences as this story, where maybe you were so close to getting something that you really wanted, or maybe you did get something that you really wanted, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it was snatched from your hands. And I don't think I need to tell you how it felt, because more than like. Uh, more likely than not, most, if not all of us, have experienced this. And just that crushing feeling of, what could I have done differently to get my way? What could I have done differently to make sure that the plans that I had set before myself happened in the way that I would want to? Um, and that's a little context that I want us to understand into our passage today. 
right? But before we go into our passage, I think it is worthwhile to also dive into a little bit about who David is as a person. So if you're here during the summer, you may have heard a few about a little bit about this from me, or you may already know a little bit about David just from you know Sunday school or um, your own studies. But David is a young guy, and he's the one who killed Goliath. You know Owen's favorite story of the Bible, the big six foot long rule. David threw the rock at his head. He died, and everyone loved David. Right, and then when David came back to Israel, everyone was like, "Oh, we like David so much better than Saul." And then Saul got jealous, and then Saul was like, "Now I want to kill David, even though I employed him myself to kill Goliath." So then Saul tried to kill David. And um, a- another detail about David that I will say is, I think in general he's a very soft-spoken and almost introverted character. He doesn't have a lot to say, but when the push comes to shove, he does have um, the passion for many things like the Lord, or he does have passion for music. Um, I think over the summer, I said, he honestly reminds me of Stephen Yoon. Um, just like the shy guy vibes, nice guy. Um, not Stephen Kim, I said this during the sermon. God, not Stephen Kim, <laughs> Stephen Yoon. So that's the kind of vibe that I work. So if you're trying to picture David, who he is as a person, think of Stephen Yoon, and eh, at least from my interpretation, that's what I think. That's who I think he's similar to. So, that's who David is as a person. Throughout David's life, before this point, David has been through some serious ish. Right? Like I said, he was chased by Saul for many, many years. Saul was literally on a psychopathic rampage trying to kill David. David's just one guy, but Saul literally took thousands, man, thousands of people of armies to try to find and kill David. And he was on the hunt for many years. Not only that, but like I said, David's the guy that killed Goliath. You have to understand that when David killed Goliath, he was a teenager, barely hitting puberty at the time. So he was employed to fight in a war as a teenager. Although he was successful, that was still kind of, you know, bad. Um, while he was being chased by Saul, he, David had many opportunities to kill Saul. On multiple occasions, he totally could have killed Saul, but he chose not to. Um, And that was, I'm sure, very frustrating and very aggravating for the people following David, as well as for David himself. And to top it off, worst of all, when David was young, Samuel, the prophet, this books that we're reading is named Samuel, he's a prophet of Israel. He came to David and he said, you're going to be the next king of Israel, or you will be king of Israel. Hearing that from the prophet of God must have been very cool, must have been very encouraging. But since then, it's been like at least 10 to 20 years, and David is still not king. David has been on the run. David has been fighting for his life, spared the murderer who's trying to kill him, and he's still not king. He has been through a lot. He has seen some stuff. right? And I wonder if... You know, David going through all of these hardships. I wonder what was going through his mind. I bet if, like, if it were like these days, he was probably singing the Lion King. You know, I just can't wait to be king. Because, like, oh, I know I'm running for my life. I know I'm, I know I have so many chances. But at the very least, I'm going to be king at the end of this, right? Like, oh man, I can't wait to be king. And now we arrive to our passage today, where we read. That Saul died. And when David heard this, at first he was sad because Saul was God's anointed, but 
I bet he was like so excited. He's like, wow, the guy that's been chasing me for years, the guy who had the position of king of Israel reserved, he's dead. The light at the end of the tunnel is near. I don't know what could go wrong. I'm finally going to be king. I'm finally going to get this house in Tinek. Facts, right? He, he sees that Saul has died. And what does he say? In the beginning of our passage, in verse 1, it says this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? So Judah, if you don't know, is a tribe of Israel. So he's, he's like, should I go up into Israel? And God says, go up. So um, in my Bible app, I, I was listening to the audio version, and the, the way the, the speaker was reading it, he made it sound like it was like a little kid talking to his dad. So David was like, shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And then God was like, go up. <laughs> you know? He was like, do it, son. And you can, you can definitely imagine, like, David was like, oh boy, like, I'm going to be king of Israel. Like, I can finally do it. And he goes into Judah. He becomes king. And then what happens? Boom. The next passage, or the next few verses down, we read someone named Ish-bosheth comes in. And now he's the new king of everywhere else in Israel except Judah. Literally everywhere else. Right? David did all the work. He was chosen by God. He got the okay to go into Judah. Now Ishbosheth, I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation of his name, but Ishbosheth comes in and he's like, no, I'm the king of Israel. How frustrating that must have been for David to see. Um, how aggravating, how upsetting. And I can almost picture David looking up to God and saying, God, what the F, bro? I thought I was going to be king. You told me I was going to be king. Right? He must have asked God, why did this happen? If he didn't, then I know I would have. Right? And, and I want us to consider this question as we dive into this passage. Right? What is God doing in this passage that he prevented David from becoming king, uh, prevented David from doing what David wanted. And that's actually our main point for today, which is God's plans, God's plans, God is greater than David's plans. God's plans were greater than David's plans. And as we go into this passage, I think there are going to be several things that we will be able to glean for ourselves. Um, whether we're new in college, whether we're continuing college, whether we're new to adult life, whether we're continuing adult life, whether we're in high school, right away, freshman year. Um, but, yeah, God's plans were greater than David's plans. And to understand this idea, we need to first break this down into two separate camps. The first camp is this. There were times where God's plans aligned with David's plans. Right? There were times when what God wanted was equivalent to what David wanted. What do I mean by this? So, I know that Ishbosheth came and he became king over the rest of Israel, but that doesn't take away the fact that David did become king over Judah. Right? In verse 3 of our passage today, we read, And David brought up his men who were with him, and everyone with his household, 
and they lived in the towns of Hebron. So what I see when I read this verse is David was definitely excited to be king. Right? He was like, oh man, I'm going to bring my boys, I'm going to bring my family, I'm going to take them to Hebron, who's like this first place that I am king over, and it, we're, we're going to just celebrate. It's going to be so good. Thanks, God. <laughs> you know? Like, thank you, God, for being on my side after all of these years of struggling, all of these years of running. Finally, I get what I wanted. Um, in this case, what God allowed David to do, what God had planned, was the same as what David had planned. And this is a very interesting position to be in. This is a very interesting state um, to be in where the things that we want and the things that God wants are the same. Why do I say it's interesting? I think if... I feel like if this is happening to you, where what you want is the same as what God wants, it's one of two possibilities. The first possibility is you pray to God, and you're like, God, what do you want for my life? And the answer that he tells you is something that you really like to hear. It's like, yes, John, I want you to make a lot of money. I want you to live in a nice house. I want you to have kids so that you can support the church and you know, stay home and be comfortable. <laughs> it's like, yo, praise God, right? That sounds like an amazing plan. For David, it's like, David, go up. Be the king of Judah. David's like, okay, if you say so, you know? That's one option. Or you ask God, and you're like, what do you want for my life? And he tells you an answer that you like to hear. The other option, the other possibility where your will aligns with God's will, is you kind of do whatever you want first. Right? You make your own plans. You set your own goals. You... Um, you say you want to do this, 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 you expect this, this, this to happen to you, and you expect, or you hope, or you even pray that God will somehow puzzle piece fit in that mold that you have created. Where am I in my page? Okay. You, yeah, you expect or hope or pray that God will fit into the plans that you have created. And the difference between the two seems very small, right? Because in the end, what I want and what God wants is the same, right? So both of us are happy. Does it really matter how I get there? And I would actually argue, yes, the difference between these two camps are very significant. And if I had to guess, I would say that David was in the first camp where he wanted something, but he first asked God what he should do. How do I know this? It's because he prayed. He said, God, shall I go up into Judah? And shall I go into heaven? And God said, yes. You shall go. Um, but I wonder, but I wonder which camp you and I fall in. And if you're asking yourself, how do I know if I'm going to be in that first camp of I want to do what God wants me to do versus I want God to do what I want to do? How do I know which camp I fall in? I want you to picture in your own life things that you want, some non-negotiables in your life. Um, think of like, a job that you want eventually, <clears throat> eventually. Think of a school that you want to get into. Think of someone that you want to date. Think of um, even looking ahead to the future. Think of like a timeline that you have. I want to get, I want to get married by this age. I want to have kids by this age. I want to go to this church. I want to do these things. I want to make this much money. 
Think of those things that you want. Maybe it's none of those things and you're just like, I just want to serve God and you should be preaching, okay? But think of the things that you want and ask yourself, did you pray about those things? If you did pray about those things, where your prayer is, God, what do you want from my life? What do you want from my future? What do you, where do you want me to go to school? Where do you want me to work? Or where your prayer is like, God, please help me get into this school. Please help me get this person. Please help me achieve my life goals. Please help me X, Y, Z. Or did you even pray about it at all? You were kind of on auto, autopilot, and you were like, I think it makes more sense to do this way. I think it makes the most sense to follow this path. And sure, I'll go to church. Sure, I'll go to small group. Um, as long as God doesn't get in the way of my plans, we're all good. <clears throat> and like I said, there are going to be times where the things that you want and the things that God wants are aligned. And as I have also said, it is a very interesting place to be because the way that you get there is very, very significant. But at least for David, we can know and understand that David really inquired of God first. He said, God, where do you want me to go? Shall I go into Judah? Shall I not go into Judah? And God said, yes, go. And I feel like in times like these, when God says, I do want you to have these things. I do want you to get this job. I do want you to get into this school. It's very easy for us to say, praise God, for I, <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I've set before you, plans for you, whatever, you know? It's so easy when we're getting the things that we want for us to say, God is so good in my life. I'm not in a religion. I'm in a relationship with the Lord because he gives me what I want. Second thing that we can glean from our passage. The first thing was sometimes God's plans and David's plans were aligned. Second point is sometimes God's plan and David's plan were not aligned. Much different scenario, right? Totally different circumstance. <clears throat> Verse 8 and 9 says this But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth. The son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, and he made him king over Gilead, and the Asherites, and Jezreel, and Ephraim, and Benjamin, and all Israel. David didn't get to be king over all of Israel. All he got was Judah. And if you know a little bit about Judah, is one of the twelve tribes of Israel, but it's like the meme tribe of Israel. Okay, that's only very short, long story short. <laughs> Ishbosheth, who was apparently Saul's son, got to be king over everyone else. Right? And from David's point of view, I wonder what that must have felt like. Right? Because from, from David's eyes, it's like God knows and wants me to be king, but instead, he let this other guy, Saul's son, who, by the way, tried to just kill me before he died, he let that guy be the king. That's kind of messed up. And like I said, I don't know how David reacted. I don't know if David was like, God, what the earth? Or maybe David was like, God, I trust in your plans. You and you alone are the Lord of my life. I don't know. But I do know, if it were me, and if I were in that situation, I would be shaking my fist at God. 
I would be asking God, what are you doing? What is going on right now? I'd be pissed. You know, God, you promised me I'd be king over Israel. You didn't say I'd be king over some of Israel. Right? God, you promised me, or I don't know if this is true, but God, you promised me I would get this house. You promised me I would get into this school. <laughs> you promised me if I read my Bible. You promised me if I prayed. You promised me if I go through these things. I will get these other things. <clears throat> in times like these, in times like these, it is extremely, extremely difficult to know and believe and trust that God's plans are greater than our plans. I am very sure that it was difficult for David to believe and trust that God's plans were greater than his plans. Right? Again, think back to the things that you want in your life. Um, imagine if God gave those to you. You'd be like, yo, God is so good. Now, flip the script. Think back to the things that you want. Imagine if God took them away. Maybe even worse, God gave them to you and then he took them away. And you had it and then you lost it. What would be your reaction? Right? Maybe you were so close to getting a job that you wanted and then you didn't get it. Maybe you were so close, maybe you don't even want to be here. Maybe you didn't want to go to Rutgers. <laughs> maybe you wanted to go to another school, and here you are, Crossway Fellowship, 367 Cranberry Road, like, oh, whatever. What was your reaction, or what would be your reaction, if God were to say, hey, no, I don't want these things for you in your life. I actually want something totally different. <laughs> Depending on your honest answer, Depending on what you genuinely think you would say, I think that would be a very clear indication of whose plan you think is greater in your life. <clears throat> I have a friend who is a software engineer, and he used to work in this company for cryptocurrency, so he, like Bitcoin type of things, and he was making bank. But um, this year he got laid off from this job, and I asked him, I was like, yo, dude, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, you must be like knees deep in job searching. Like, what are you gonna do? What kind of company are you gonna look for? And this guy looked at me, he's like, actually, John, I think I'm gonna pray and ask God why he laid me off. And I was like, what the freak? Meanwhile, I lose a deal on a house, and I'm like, why, God? Why did you do this to me? <laughs> Just a funny story that I thought was true. So we've established that God's plan, <laughs> I keep saying God's plan, I can't stop thinking about grief. We've established that God's will and our will may or may not align. And depending on our reaction to either, that will inform us, and that has come up for David, but that will inform us where we believe our plans uh, hold pro priority in our lives. In either case, in either case, you might hear me, what I'm saying, and you're like, okay, so God's plan might, God's plan might be what I want, God's plan might not be what I want. Are you telling me that no matter what, I have to listen to what God has to say to me? 
Are you telling me that I have to follow what God did? Are you telling me that God didn't let David become king? He kept him from doing what he wanted, so I have to do the same thing? That's not fair, right? What proof do you have? What proof do you have that God's plan is truly great? Right? To what authority do you speak? That you can say for certainty that God will plan something better for me than I could for myself, even though I've done this work, even though I've done the studying, I've mapped out at what age I want to do everything in my life, my retirement, my, my grades, I've mapped out my course schedule, I've mapped out my major, and you're standing and telling me that God may just totally not care about everything that I've done just for the sake of his plan being better. That's not cool, man. What proof is there that God's plans are greater than ours? How are we to trust in this plan when we may not even know? The proof is this. We can trust that God's plan will be greater than ours because Jesus did the same thing. We can trust that God's plans will be greater than ours because Jesus did the same thing. For David, eventually, he became king over Israel, just as God promised. It just took a couple of years. Right? And like I said, I don't know what David's reaction was throughout all this nonsense, but God kept his promises. <clears throat> and as hard as it was for David to be so close to what he wanted to have it taken away. As hard as it is for us to think about, oh man, is God really going to take away what I want for my life? As hard as that is, I want us to turn to Matthew 26, 39. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it. <clears throat> it says this, And going a little farther, Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There seems to be a time in the Bible where Jesus expressed desire for something that was not what God had planned. There seems to be a time in history where Jesus said that he wanted something that was not what God had planned. Thank God that the story did not end with God saying, all right, Jesus, you're right, come back, forget this whole, drop this party, let's blow this joint. But thank God that Jesus says, Father, not my will, but yours. And what happened as a result of Jesus' Jesus's obedience to the cross and Jesus' obedience to God? He died, and now we have a chance to live and experience the greatest joy, experience eternal life with God and with Jesus. <clears throat> sure, it's, it's nice to hear about David, right? He got what he wanted in the end, right? He, he struggled a little bit, but he became king. But that has no bearing on me personally, right? It makes no difference in my life whether or not David became king. <clears throat> what does have bearing on my life and all of our lives is the fact that through Jesus' obedience to his Father's will, we now get a second chance at salvation. 
a, a chance that we did not deserve, a chance that we definitely should not have gotten. And under that umbrella, when we understand and know, wow, God's will allowed for Jesus to die so that I can live, of course, I will trust him with my life. He already saved it. Of course, I will trust him with my future plans. Of course, I will trust him with where I'm going to go to school, with where I'm going to work, with who I'm going to be with, with my grades. Of course. <clears throat> and as we go through this year, um, whether you're working or in college or whatever, I want us to consider and pray and really dig deep and ask, God, what do you want? What is it that you want in my life? <clears throat> and if we were to look at our passage and look at what happened to David, we may not get a happy ending like David did in the end. We may not get um, exactly what we wanted. But here's what we definitely won't get. The punishment that Jesus suffered because of our sins. So that's why we should trust in God's plan. I, I wanted to, <clears throat> I don't know, I wanted to impart a little bit of how we're supposed to know what God's plan is. Um, I think for in whatever life, whatever life stage you're at, whether you're new in college or whatever, you're gonna face times when it's very obvious that what you want conflicts with what God wants. In those moments, sit through them, struggle through them, pray through them, talk through them, um, seek guidance from other people, but most importantly, most importantly, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, who had given everything, who had given everything, so that we can be under the perfect and amazing and glorious plan and will of God our Father. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you and I praise you for not only knowing me personally, not only knowing the ins and outs of my character and what makes me uh, unique and whatever, but I thank you for knowing what's going to happen in my life and for sending that ahead of me. I know that if it were up to me and I had total control over my life, it would look terrible. But I may not always believe that and I may sometimes would say, God, get out of my way. Let me do things my own way. But I pray in those moments for myself and for those of my brothers and sisters in this room, you would remind me, you would remind us that you are the creator and perfecter of all things. You will not leave us nor forsake us. You whose perfect plan was to even save us from our own sins, that we would trust in this God who knows and loves us. We would trust in the God who has given it all just for us. And this year, 